podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. That was some BS. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 1012 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, some college football awards went out last night. CD Lamb does not get the Blitnikoff. Some guy from LSU does. Chuba Hubbard does not get the Doak Walker Award. Instead, it goes to a running back who basically got it for a career achievement award. All of return of the King winning Best Picture. Not because Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in college football this year. He just had the best three-year run of anybody in college football this year. So, uh, congrats to Jonathan Taylor and the Doug Walker Award for not caring about any stats at all. Or, you know, continuing the narrative that the Big 12 doesn't play defense. It was really easy for Chuba to have a historic season. Uh, I can't wait to watch him crest 2,000 yards in the bowl game and Jonathan Taylor not. Meanwhile, CeeDee Lamb... Uh, who's been one of the best wide receivers the past few years, doesn't get it because it goes to an LSU player who had a big year, former uh, Kansas commit, because that one's about this season, even though I mean, I get the stats, back it up, but the stats didn't matter last year when Tylen Wallace didn't win. It's, here's the problem with the award season, is they're kind of BS. The Heisman invited four people and two go to Ohio State. How can you be the most important player on your team if there's two of you? And then a lot of people think that a third should have been invited. Who's who's the most important player? Who's the player that, I don't know. Award season is a joke. The Heisman is a joke. These awards are a joke. Um, congrats to everybody who won. Enjoy it. You had great seasons. Not trying to say that you didn't. But it is what it is. And uh, this just really feels like a season where the Big 12 is being shat upon. I mean, the talk... About Oklahoma, look, I get it, okay? They are the fourth team. They're going to play a really good LSU team whose defense is not as bad as everybody wants to say it is. Basically, LSU's a Big 12 team this year, and they're getting the defensive narrative. I get it. They gave up a lot of yards and points to Ole Miss, who's not that good. But, you know, Bama gave up a lot of points to LSU, 
because LSU has a really good deal. offense. Whatever. We'll see what happens in the playoff. I'm excited for it, and I'm going to be rooting for OU because I can't wait to see an LSU, the, the greatest offense we've ever seen, potentially lose. Like, I want LSU to lose because I want this narrative put to bed. Although they'll just blame LSU's defense, which is because we don't appreciate offense, but the NFL does, but I'm, I'm done. Okay, all of that aside, today we are talking about TCU. We are talking about the Horned Frogs, who have had a disappointing football season are and are in the early stages of what is expected to be a disappointing basketball season. Why do we want to talk about two teams who aren't or haven't been very good? Because it's Friday. And because when we can get Parker Fleming from Frogs of War on the show to do so, we're going to do so. Parker joins us. Uh, we're going to talk about this past year for TCU, what went wrong. Uh, talk about, obviously, Sonny Cumbie probably keeping his job as offensive coordinator. Um, really neat article of, of, of potential guys to bring on the staff to help boost the offense that, that Parker wrote. Uh, and talk about Max Duggan a bit. I think, I think that's a, a big thing for next season. Uh, also going to talk about basketball. Obviously, TCU off to a 7-2 and two start. Not bad at all. Nothing to complain about. Um, not a, you know, not all seven and two records are created equal, but, uh, has that changed his opinion on the expectations for TCU this season? Uh, or does he still think they should finish probably in, in last place in the big 12? Really fun conversation. Always love having Parker on. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Uh, do me a favor before we get to that. Make sure if you are an iTunes listener, five stars and leave a review, we would really appreciate it. We would be huge. And, and, and once you do take a screenshot of your review, DM us in the Twitters, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, we will get you a prize. Like, the last guy who left one, we haven't ever been able to figure out who he is. And I keep saying, like, hey, shoot us a DM. Let us know. Hey, hey, we have an email. You know, 1012podcast at gmail.com. Shoot it my way. We'll get you a prize. So, do that. Follow us on Twitter. At 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Rate the show. And uh, let's get to it. They may not be going bowling, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about TCU. Very excited to have Parker Fleming from Frogs of War back on the show to do a little little horn frog talk before we uh, take our holiday break. This seemed like a good thing to do on a Friday, you know. Um, and I think Parker really just wants to get a lot of things off of his chest. Is that is that fair, Parker? That's true. I've had a couple weeks to deal with it, uh, and so I'm, I'm in a, a little bit better temper. But man, it has been... Uh, a capital F frustrating season for TCU. You know, on on we can say this. Um, Gary Patterson at TCU has always followed up a below 500 season with a big year. 2004, they went five and six, 11 and one the next year. Uh, was it 2013, four and eight, 12 and one the next year. 2016, six and seven, 11 and three the next year. So you got five and seven this year. So I expect no fewer than 11 wins next year. Is that a, is that a fair assumption based off of history? Is that, does that work with you? Well, uh, I think a lot of people were touting that um, last season, you know, TC was ended up seven and six with a cheese at bowl victory. And they're saying Gary, Gary Patterson doesn't stay down long. Um, and they were ignoring one big fact that all of those years featured insane continuity. Uh, specifically at the quarterback position, but also in terms of development class, all of those bad years were like year three of the skill players and year year one of a quarterback. So that the next year that was good was like the quarterback's second year. And then all the skill players were very old um, and experienced. And so TCU next year, I think is going to be an interesting, 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not putting all my eggs in the rebound basket. I don't think they'll be five and seven again next year. I think they'll definitely be a bowl team because they'll have uh, no worse than, than Max Duggan, depending on how the Matt Baldwin, Max Duggan competition goes. They'll have no worse than Max Duggan at quarterback. And, uh, but they are losing a lot of skill players on offense. So the continuity that's been there in the past, kind of that development cycle, this was really kind of the top of the development cycle, but the quarterback wasn't there. So I'm interested to see, I don't have as much faith in that, in that inevitable rebound. So just what do you think went wrong with TCU this year? I mean, I, I, coming into the year, I wasn't sure how to gauge them or how to, how to, how to project them. I thought they would be a bowl team. Like I thought seven wins was perfectly um, reasonable expectation for TCU this year. You know, if they, the defense is always good. They had a lot of guys who were injured last year, come back. You had all those young guys who had played, who should continue to develop. And then you had, if you figured out the quarterback situation, which they didn't, they kind of did, but didn't really. Um, But if they'd figured out the quarterback situation, this was a team that had the potential to, to kind of be a, a, a breakthrough team. Yeah, here we are, five and seven, no bowl game, losing a game at the end of the season to West Virginia. That was, I'm shocking to be, to be honest. Um, I, I thought Neil Brown was a good hire. I thought that team would continue to play better, and they did. But seeing them beat TCU with a with a bowl game on the line for TCU was really surprising to me. So what what do you think kind of was the biggest culprit for why TCU is is at five and seven, staying home this year? So I need to take an exception about the quarterbacks because that's kind of also my answer. Um, I think Max Duggan played as well as a freshman quarterback can be expected to. Also, he played a lot better than his numbers, even his QBR or his EPA numbers base, which both of those kind of have him as, a, as an above average quarterback, which for a freshman, that's great for FBS, um, you know, somewhere ranking in the 50s. But uh, one of the biggest problems, I think, just if you could improve one thing, that would have improved TCU the most, it would be wide receiver drops. The wide receiver core is really, really talented on paper. You know, Jalen Rager, uh, once Tay, Barthor, Tay Barber got healthy, there's a lot of talent on the edge there. Um, but you had uh, just just an unprecedented number of drops. And some of that at the beginning of the season was Duggan throwing the ball a little hard. You know, Gary Patterson talked about the fastball versus the changeup. But as the season went on, you really had – just this inability of most wide receivers to, to make consistent plays. And that really, really hamstrung the TCU offense. So there is a little bit of an execution issue. Um, I think there's, there's not an, not an insignificant component of luck. You know, you go one and six in, in, in one score games and, and your seven losses, no one and five, excuse me, in one score losses. Um, and uh, I think that overall TCU really, really, just didn't just didn't get the bounces, but they didn't get the bounces because they weren't talented enough to put themselves in, into position to succeed. Um, the the other two things that I'll really highlight here: one, Lucas Niang out after the Texas game. Uh, Lucas Niang, great offensive lineman, will go play in the NFL, kind of the anchor of TCU's offensive line. And when he so that Texas game was really kind of a turning point in the season for TCU. It felt like they had everything together. They said, hey, look, when you actually pass the ball, when you're aggressive, when you let Max Duggan play the style of ball that tailors to his strengths, um, this this team can be really, really good. And Lucas Niang was hurt. He played that last game, then had to get that surgery so that he can go off to the NFL. And the offensive line kind of became this revolving door. You saw that especially in like the Texas Tech game, where once Texas Tech started bringing the rush, TCU basically couldn't run pass uh, play action anymore. They just didn't have time and, and Duggan was getting protected. So that really down the stretch really, really kind of impeded what, what, what should have been some growth for TCU. Finally, I'll say uh, the 
the scheme did not adapt, did not evolve to really cater to Max Duggan's strength. And in the words of Lincoln Riley, if your scheme isn't quarterback centric, you need to get a new scheme. So those are kind of my fourfold list of the quarterback was better than you think, but it was the wide receivers. It was um, wide receiver drops. It was losing the ang, and it was uh, a little bit of schematic issues. I think it's interesting. It feels like the big 12 this year outside of kind of Oklahoma came down to a lot of one score games. You know, Baylor seemed to, to be able to, to get the luck on their side and win those. And, and I know people don't like saying luck. I know people don't like to hear luck. Luck implies that you didn't do anything to win the game and you were just lucky to be there. And, and that's not what I say with luck. To to have successful seasons, really great seasons, unless you're blowing everybody out of the water, there's some luck involved. There always is. And and, and luck is, you know, when opportunity meets preparation. So it, there is something to... It doesn't just happen. It's good good for you. Like there is some credit to a team who who has some luck work out for them that in the when the opportunity presented itself, they were able to, to execute it and take advantage. But Iowa State was a really unlucky team this year. Texas Tech was a really unlucky team this year. TCU was really like it had a lot of a lot of close games that they couldn't quite get over. And and then you see teams like Oklahoma State have some some luck go their way at the end of some games there at the end of the year to help them get eight wins. Baylor had a lot of close wins in games where you thought, oh, this is going to be it, and yet and they found a way. So, you know, I, I do think it's really interesting to to look at the Big Twelve this year and and see you know that whole middle section of a five and three win uh, teams in conference and and how close. I mean, really, West Virginia, Texas Tech, TCU, how close they all were to get into a bowl game if, if the ball bounces here or, or a catch is made there. And I, and I think it kind of spoke to the depth of the Big 12. And I do think it also speaks to kind of it was a down year across the board where everybody was – there's a lot of good teams, but really only one really good one in Oklahoma and a Baylor team that was better than the rest of the, of the pack, but not maybe by as much as we think they were. I do want to talk about scheme a little bit. You put out an article on Frogs of War called The List. I'm looking at some potential. Um, if if TCU decides to make a change uh, on the coaching staff, on the offensive side of the ball, where that might go. Now, there's no indication at this point, despite everyone on the internet that I can tell, kind of calling for Sonny Cumbie's job, that Sonny Cumbie is going to lose his role as the OC at TCU this season. Now, I do want to note uh, Curtis Looper, who's kind of like the co-OC, but... Um, also coaches running backs has done so um, for some time um, is up for the New Mexico job. He's got a relationship there, but I, I am curious from you. Let's say Looper goes, which I have always, I always thought he would have been, you know, I think he's set to be an OC at some point if he wants that role. I'd be curious if he, if he took over one, the list was interesting. Um, it's, it's very hypothetical because obviously Cumbie's still there. Do you think Cumbie is there next year? Do you think any changes are made? And what change do you think really, truly needs to happen for TCU to better scheme for its quarterback next season? Yeah, so, um, the, yeah, Cumbie is, uh, is the offensive coordinator going into the 2020 season. Absolutely, 100%. Um, and I think there will be some improvement just from the standpoint of Cumbie is really good coaching quarterbacks. They'll have an entire offseason. They'll be bringing back a starter. Um, and so I think there's, there's some positivity that will go there um yeah so so the list is really i i joked on twitter the other day that it was basically fan fiction uh because <laughs> i mean best case not best case scenario because we love curtis looper so um he he makes a lot of decisions about the run game specifically personnel decisions and kind of coaching up the run game um and so tc would miss him he's a great recruiter but uh so i'll say like 
in terms of TC's offense changing, most likely scenario is Looper goes somewhere and we're looking to bring in a passing game coordinator or a co-offensive coordinator, which Looper is currently co-offensive coordinator, um, but he doesn't call plays or anything. And so that is really where you look at some of these guys like, like a Will Hall or I had Sean Clark on here and he, he got, he got, he took the app job. So he's off of it or Rob sale. So a, a G five offensive coordinator who could come in and kind of position themselves to make that next big move, the next level. It would be an interesting selling point. You'd have to take some play calling duties away from Cumbie. So it's like a very hard thing to navigate. I don't think it's real. I don't think either of those are realistic. Um, as much as they would be a dream scenario, I don't think they'd be realistic. Um, where you start to look at is kind of on this list, I call them like weird but interesting. And so you look at a couple guys that could come in, wouldn't expect an offensive coordinator job at, at the uh, P5 level, but but might come in as a passing game coordinator, um, something like that. So uh, I, I specifically love like Brennan Marion. If you haven't seen the clips of William and Mary's offense and the offense he ran at Howard, it is bonkers. It is absolutely the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He will like line up three athletes who can pass and run this weird wing T sort of thing, but it's not chaos. It's, it's actually pretty smart. My favorite one is they do this pitch where the quarterback takes the ball and the, the running backs in jet sweep motion quarterback takes the ball and he chest passes it out to the running back and the running back catches the ball outside and goes. So, so, so some wild stuff where just some innovation that could come in and say, Hey, Sonny Cumbie, you're a great offensive mind. You know, the air raid really well. Let's, let's spice this up. I also think the biggest thing that would happen there is that that would give Sonny Cumbie another voice in the room. Because if you listen to what Gary Patterson's been saying about the TCU offense, he's been wanting to get more involved He's talking about time of possession. He's talking about establishing the run. There are not only, I think, bad football concepts in terms of an offense, but also diametrically opposed to Sonny Cumbie's roots in the air raid. And so I think that getting another voice in the room would help Sonny Cumbie kind of combat Gary just in the sense of, hey, we're not losing because we're not running enough. Like, that's not what's happening here. And so some of that, I think, could, could be some reasonable improvement of filling those gaps on the staff strategically, um, spicing, up the, spicing up the run game with some more, you know, option-centric uh, schemes, some, some packages that involve making decisions or making defenders make decisions. But ultimately, um, it's like, look, Sonny Cumbie's an air raid quarterback, and if you want to – or an air raid coordinator. And if you want – you they need to bring someone in who can – run a dynamic run game and kind of break that up if you want to go more pro style or something else, but, um, or more option based, but you need to let Sonny Cumbie be the offensive coordinator that he is. And so I think this off season that might happen some. And so just on its own, TC's offense might get a little better, but in a dream scenario, they'd bring in somebody to come be the passing game coordinator um, and kind of, or even the rushing game coordinator and just kind of spice up one of those aspects of the offense. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's not that we always want to fire the OC and bring in someone brand new and start from scratch. Sometimes you don't have to tear the whole house down and rebuild it. Sometimes the house just needs some some upkeep. It just needs some updating. It needs a new, new coat of paint. It needs some, you know, new flooring. Just redo the cabinets in the kitchen. And I think sometimes bringing in a, a co-OC or, or changing up some position coaches in that kind of way can help fix an offense more than just bring it completely start out from scratch with a whole new offensive coordinator. Because you know, sometimes that can that can be a setback for especially your quarterback and your players that they're having to come in and learn a new system, learn a new scheme, learn new things, and and it can delay a quarterback's development. And when you have a young quarterback like Max Duggan, um, you 
it, it's almost better, even if it's it hasn't been perfect at this point, kind of keeping things the same way for a little while longer and seeing if they can continue to improve. So, I'll, I mean, I've, I've kind of been a, I'm shocked Cumbie's still sticking around because you could argue outside of uh, one season, he hasn't been that great to be blunt, but also, you know, you dealt with a lot of <laughs> rotating quarterbacks last season. You took you a while to figure out that Duggan was the guy this year and to get him going. And, and maybe if he actually has a full season as the guy next year, you can see some real progress there. Yeah. And, and I'll say I'm this is a little bit of Stockholm syndrome because he's not going anywhere. And so I'm trying to talk myself into like, what's the best case scenario. And you know, the, the max Duggan continuity argument is not a small one. You can't ignore that one. And so um, I think Cumby will get better next year just because Max will get better next year. Um, although I still think there's structural things I'd like for him to tweak mid range passing game, not running split zone on first and 10 every dad gum time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I'm kind of talking myself into it. I think uh, Cumby has not demonstrated an ability to coach a competent offense or a competitive offense without an overwhelming talent advantage. And let me tell you, TCU is not going to have an overwhelming talent advantage most years in the Big 12. That's not going to happen. And so we've got to figure out how to work within our constraints. And I don't think Cumbie is very good at that. But so we'll see if, you know, talents will improve next year at the quarterback position. The offensive line can't be worse. You can fix drops in the offseason. So maybe some of those happen and, and, and we still run an air raid offense and, and Cumbie looks a little better. I don't know. I mean, it feels like next year's kind of a make or break season, though, for him. If you're going to retain him, uh, you 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 need to see progress, or a change at a certain point does have to be made, whether you like a guy or not. And I and I do think it speaks to you know I, I've had this conversation. I've never had it on the show or not, but it's the conversation of uh, you know you get older coaches and they tend they tend to not want to have to deal with coaching changes. I think I don't think there's anything a head coach likes less than having to go through the hiring process in his staff. Like I, Gundy likes to keep guys around that that he likes and feels good about because he doesn't want to hire new coaches. I think Patterson's kind of at that point. He's been around for a while. You look at Michigan State where literally didn't fire anybody off the offensive staff last year. They literally just moved everybody around and it didn't do a dang thing. Um, I do think there's a point where Continuity is good. You know, it works at Clemson because everyone's been there, but continuity for the sake of continuity isn't always the best thing. Right. You know, not that saying what, we're, you know, what, what Alabama deals with, which is like whole new coaching sets every year is the right answer either. But sometimes you have to make some changes because sometimes things just change. You know, football is always changing. And sometimes a guy that was good hasn't kept up or doesn't, can't keep up with what's going on around him. And the Big 12 is changing. The Big 12 is not what it was five years ago. Right. You know, there's a very different styles of offense with what and defense with what Matt Campbell's brought to Iowa State and Matt Rule has brought to Baylor and now Chris Kleiman is doing at Kansas State. Things are are different than they used to be. So you you have to keep up with the times to some extent. Sometimes, despite your your appreciation for uh, continuity, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, I just I mean, just because the thing's going strong now doesn't mean that it's going to go strong forever. Like you've got to you've got to adapt. You've got to improve. I don't know if anyone's quoted Ian. Forrester on your podcast, but that's been my, that's been my TC football quote right there. That's a, that's a quote by him. Uh, but yeah, so it, it, it doesn't like bringing back bad things just in the name of continuity is, is definitely bad. Uh, and also like in defenses, when stuff hit the fan this year, TC moved to a three down defense 
which is like Gary Patterson's calling card has been the four, two, five. So he can adapt on defense to kind of put his guys in position. I'm just not sure he's, I just don't know why he's not adapting on offense. So we'll see what happens with it, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I've seen, you know, you want to say, Oh, the game's passed Gary Patterson by and no, it hasn't. His defense has been awesome. Uh, he's very clearly, he can coach on the defensive side. He just has hitched his wagon to a guy who's struggling to uh, innovate and adapt on the offensive side because Sonny Cumbie is a great, like 2009 offensive coordinator. It's not 2009 anymore. I mean, people like to plant their flag and, and, and stand their ground on very different and sometimes strange things. You know, you never know what you're going to be stubborn about. And when it comes to head coaches, it's, it tends to be a, tend to be members of the coaching staff. It's like, we're not going to make this change unless I just absolutely have to. And, you know, sometimes things have to get really bad for, for someone to, to realize that, okay, maybe it's time to make a change. And, and I, and I mean, I hope TCU figures some things out next year. It's, I think the, I think the conference is better when TCU is good than, than when they're not. I want to take some time to talk basketball. I mean, I, you guys are football season is over, so we can we got plenty yeah. of time between now and next August to talk. Well, our football. our mood was too high. Things were going too well in that conversation. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about basketball. Let's let's downturn <laughs> again. Obviously, the Horn Frogs at this point are seven and two on the season. Nothing wrong with that. You know, losing to USC is not terrible. Losing to Clemson is not the worst thing in the world. And both of those were were two point losses. So there's certainly something to hang your hat on so far for TCU, especially a team that was picked to finish last place. Um, it's it's not it's not been as bad so far as I would say, but there is there is some news out that I think is worth discussing, and it, and it does make me a little bit concerned about TCU and Jamie Dixon, who I thought was a, a slam dunk hire for them. Uh, at this point, uh, backup sophomore center Russell Barlow uh, is the latest player to enter the transfer portal. Uh, that means that every single member of the 2018 recruiting class um, is gone, has left the program. That's um not, not great <laughs> ideal um, yeah it's not ideal like things like we look at oklahoma state they've lost a lot of kids due to a bunch of boneheads who have had to get kicked off the team and you don't like that but to have everybody transferred really makes you kind of have to ask some questions about the coaching staff is this just is this just what happened are these guys who thought they should be in a different role and, and aren't and haven't developed or uh, what is your take on on what has happened to that that recruiting class because that's that 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 puts you almost back almost almost an entire year now because you've had an entire recruiting class of what is that one two three four five guys now are have have left from one one cycle that's a lot yeah yeah so I could go on a really long rant about this and I'm going to try and make it coherent but um I argued <laughs> at the beginning of the season that this was kind of year zero for TCU because um. You know, Jamie Dixon flirted with the only job he would leave TCU for, UCLA, didn't take it uh, for whatever reason. You know, we can put whatever spin we want on that. That could be he didn't get it because he didn't get the buyout, whatever. But he's still at TCU. He's back here. Alex Robinson and J.D. Miller, great contributors to TCU, all-time TCU basketball players, um, which says a lot about our program. But still, they're great, and we appreciate them so much, um, are gone. Those were those were Trent Johnson's last recruits. And so Trent Johnson's fingerprints are entirely off this program. JD, uh, Jamie Dixon has flirted with the only job he might take and he's back here. So this is kind of a year zero. It's like, all right, this is your program. This is your life. Do this. And so, um, the, the, you know, you can, you can look at a lot of those guys that transferred from last year, Angus McWilliams, not necessarily a, a, a central guy. Like that's, that's kind of ancillary. You don't like the depth. That's fine. Uh, Caden Archie was a, a good recruit. He came in last year 
and kind of just showed up and expected to start and said, no, y'all are bad. I'm, I'm good. I should play. And Jamie Dixon was like, Hey, you're a freshman. Like I'm going to get you in the rotation. And so there was some personality stuff. And Jamie said, if you want to play, that's fine. You can go. Um, and then you ought a lock was a, a transfer that came in and man, we'd really like to have him just from the standpoint of he's a competent big, um, but there were locker room concerns. And so you can, you can explain a bunch of those away. The one that really hurts is Kendrick Davis, just looking at how great he's been at SMU. And I'll note that uh, TC, it, the reason that Kendrick Davis is eligible to play right now is because TCU appealed to the NCAA on his behalf and said, we're fine with it. Let him transfer. That's okay. And um, that's great. Everyone's, you know, good, uh, good morale, I guess. But yeah, that stinks that we don't have him on this team. Um, I will say six guys of TCU's what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, six guys out of nine TCU's nine man rotation right now are sophomores or younger. Um, a lot of those are four stars. Um, they, they have a solid core. It's just kind of unexpectedly a core right now of, Oh, we didn't expect to have to use all these guys. And so I think the future is bright. I think we knew TCU was going to be bad. Um, and the 2018 exodus if you will would be a lot more concerning if tc's basketball team wasn't as young as it was but um so i'm, I'm not really like the only one that hurts is immediately kendrick davis who i don't think is like a long-term successful college basketball player i think he's a great rotation guy uh not having him this year really hurts our immediate immediate success but you've got six guys um who are, who are going to be back next year and, and this pretty solid core so i'm interested to see kind of where they go in the you know going going forward it is this is the beginning of kind of the Jamie Dixon era, if you will. So Desmond Bain, obviously the the stud of for TCU, and I and I kind of equate him to I'm a I'm a huge Halliburton fan for Iowa State. Like I I'll keep staying the line until people it catches on. Like he's going to be the Big Twelve Player of the Year that doesn't win the award. Um, but Desmond Bain has been has been kind of as advertised for TCU, and I, and I argue that some one of the reasons that TCU has 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 the record it has at this point, and I and I know they don't have a what I would argue is a marquee win to hand their hat on. But one of the reasons is because of the play of Desmond Bain. Where is he at as far as what you expected from him this season? Um, so, so Desmond Bain, I think, uh, is a really, really good straight-up shooter. But he has this really, really bad tendency of disappearing. Um, TC, basically, big games that TCU lost last year, teams were able to shut him down for a half. And um, that's something that, that just like can't happen, especially this year. And so that's really the one area that you want to see, Hey, is, is he just going away? Um, is he disappearing or is he the, the playmaker? And I think he's trying to help his teammates too much. I think they needs to be shooting more. Um, you know, he's, he's shooting uh, 40% on three pointers. He's uh, shooting 77%. Oh no, that's free throws. That's not what I wanted. Uh, and, and he's 50% on two pointers. Um, I think overall, he is someone who this is like the peak of his career. And I think he's such a humble team centric guy that he is not shooting enough and we need the offense to go through him more. So it's nice to have, you know, Edric Davis or Edric Dennis, excuse me, and RJ Nembhard kind of come on as, as guys around him that can score. But TCU's only chance at success this year is really when Desmond Bain is the guy. Um, and so it's great to see um, him him improve, you know, year over year and get bigger and build his body and build his shooting. And uh, I honestly want him to reap the fruits of his labor a little bit more. I want him to shoot more and therefore be able to score more. You know, he's only, he's only 403rd in offensive rating, uh, according to Ken Palm, which is where I get all my stats in the nation. And so you think, okay, there's a lot of basketball players. That's very clear towards the top. I think a senior Des Bain 
should absolutely be in the top 200, if not the top 150 of offensive rating this season in terms of you have a team that is solely built around you and you have more big 12 experience than almost anyone in the nation. Um, and so I, I really would like to see him come on during, uh, during big 12 play and really say, look, this is TCU, but TCU is Desmond Bain's team right now. So looking at the season so far, and, and obviously again, our two, the two losses are, are close losses, although, you know, the USC loss was a blown 18 point lead. Do you, has what you've seen so far changed your expectations for the Horn Frogs this season? Um, so what I, I, here's what I did. I did a stupid thing. I got super <laughs> excited. I got super excited about uh, uh, Levy coming in and getting that. So uh, Jadon Levy, Levy, I don't know how they say it. I think it's Levy um, from Ohio State got immediate eligibility. And he's a 6'9 sophomore, immediately bolsters our backcourt, which basically doesn't exist. It's like Kevin Samuel 6'11", and then Levy 6'9", and then everyone else is like 6'6", or lower. Like, we just don't have any big guys. And so without him, we would have been in a bad, uh, a bad way. Uh, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but like, like Russell Barlow's bad at basketball. That's why he's transferring because he's not playing. Um, and we would have had him in the rotation. Uh, and like, as soon as Levy got the eligibility, Barlow stopped playing. And so like, I understand why he's transferring. He's, he's not better than he just couldn't earn the rotation minutes. So I got excited about Levy coming in and saying like, Hey, that gives us a quality backup big. Desmond Bain's really good. We've got to, you know, at any point we could have four, four star freshmen on the court. Um, and so I think that's like, Oh, I maybe it would be better than we think. Kansas state dropped a stinker in uh, non-conference play. And I thought, man, maybe TCU is not the worst team in the, uh, in the conference. And TCU started the season at 45th and Ken Palm and they have fallen literally every game. Uh, and so they are at 60th right now. <clears throat> so they have not beaten a team. Uh, the, their best win is uh, against 115 UC Irvine, and that was at home, and that was by one point, and it was in danger. Um, and so, you know, they, they struggled to separate away from Winthrop last night. Um, they're going to get Xavier George Mason and then Big 12 play. And so I, I think this is going to be a take-your-lumps year for TCU basketball. I think I, I was trying to talk myself out of them not being the worst team in the Big 12, and I think they're going to finish last in the Big 12 now. Man, because I, I – I, I, I mean – Look, I've said coming this year, and I don't mean to be mean, but it felt like, because the depth of the Big 12 has always been really good top to bottom, but it feels like this is the worst bottom to the Big 12's had pretty much since A&M went like winless in Big 12 play back in the day. And I, it's, I've, I've been somewhat impressed by Kansas State and TCU. They've they've looked better in non-conference play than I, than I thought that they would, but I don't know. Like, I... I, I Forgive me. There's a lot of things going on. I don't watch a ton of TC basketball. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess the question then is: is is this just a team that's going to go into the Big Twelve play and, and come out with maybe a couple of wins? You know, splitting Kansas State, or do you think this is a team that they're not going to win a lot, but they're going to up they're going to pull some upsets and 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 kind of wreck some days from some of the top teams in the Big Twelve? So here's here's what I have my eye on. Um, kind of looking at the late February schedule. TCU goes to Texas. Um, they have Baylor at home and they have Oklahoma at home. That's like three of their last six games. And those are spread out. And right now um, two of those are projected as, as losses and the Oklahoma game is basically a, a toss up. And so I think for TCU basketball, we're just going to have to not look at total wins because it's going to get rough. There's a stretch in here where I think TCU could lose 11 games in a row reasonably. 
just the way the schedule works out. Um, yeah. And so, cause they get Arkansas in the, they get Arkansas in the non-con as well. It's been surprisingly good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Who's been, who's been pretty good. So that in the middle of some big 12 play means, man, like it could get rough and that's fine. But what you want to see is you want to see them towards the end of the season, go to Texas and be competitive host Baylor, get up for a rival and be competitive. Baylor's good. They're probably going to sweep us. I'm, I'm fine with that. But saying like, that should be a profoundly coming to TCU Baylor coming to TCU for basketball should be a profoundly annoying experience for Baylor on the 29th of February, if Jamie Dixon is growing this team, if this team is headed in the right direction because they're so young. And then that Oklahoma game, uh, Saturday, March 7th, could be the second to last game they'll play because they'll probably get out in the first round of the tournament as well. But um, win, win that last home game. So those are kind of my three inflection points of like, look, we're going to be bad this year. We, I'm a part of TCU. Uh, they're going to be bad. They're going to be bad <laughs> this year. part of it. part of it. <laughs> uh, they're going to be bad this year. But those three games are kind of the inflection point. Uh, go – Go win at Texas, annoy annoy the heck out of Baylor, and then and then win that Oklahoma home game. And if they lose every other Big Twelve game, but that I'll still be happy because like that projection, uh, that positive towards the end growth. So, yeah, I think Kansas State's at worst a split for TCU. Yeah, I think I think Kansas State's very good. Yeah, Iowa State's up and down. Like I could see you guys splitting with them. Um, I think West Virginia is solid, but you know they always drop a few games. Like I I. I don't think TCU is going to win very many games. Like, I, yeah. if I had to pick games, I might give you guys three wins in Big 12 play, which might, you know, if, if you guys win six, I mean, okay, I guess I'll eat my crow. That's so much better than three. But I, I would be curious to see TCU be at least competitive. I mean, Desmond Bain is good. It would, you know, I, I hate to see really talented seniors have to have really disappointing final seasons. Um like that like you just you you kind of want if a team's gonna be bad be like no everyone sucks there's nothing good here to watch like right right no no really good players that have to play out this i mean respect to him for sticking around but you know it's a disappointing way for him to to end his career at tcu Uh, yeah and it's just a weird development so you know it's not like again tcu's like tcu's basketball is not very good right now and we're in the 60s at ken pong uh under trent johnson we were above we were like top 100 once uh and so the floor is different now too, which is just like, yeah, TCU basketball is not going to go to the tournament every year. That's fine. But their bad years are not going to be miserable. They're going to be, you know, young in between development cycles. So, yeah, no, I, I, I think that is something that, you know, we just look at records and you're like, well, their records aren't very good. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the team is as bad. It isn't, isn't making progress. They're just not making progress in the, in the win column. Like you right. like to see, but I mean, look again, the big 12 top to bottom is one of the best conferences in, in college basketball, like period. Like when your when your bottom team is, you know, sixty in Ken Palm. Uh, well, I mean, right now it's Kansas State. They're they're seventy eighth, but that ain't that's not bad. But there are plenty of Power Five conferences that have far. Vanderbilt's one hundred twenty first. Utah is one hundred eleventh. Like Washington State's one hundred forty fifth. Like the Pac twelve is really bad at basketball. Big twelve when your worst team is in the seventies, Kansas State. That's not that ain't bad, folks. That ain't bad. And I mean, and I mean, TCU is. 192nd in experience in the nation right now, which is like lower half. They're also 245th in minutes continuity, and they're bringing back RJ Nembhard and Desmond Bain, who both played a ton of minutes last year. It's like there's just a a ton of turnover on the roster. And so you just got to go, look, we're not going to be as bad as we have been in the past. And we've got a lot of young guys that are highly ranked uh, in terms of recruiting, so we can just keep going forward. Yeah, Parker, 
You're awesome as always. I always enjoy having you on the show. At some point, you might actually get to join us with Chris here. I don't. I, don't, I think he's just avoiding you. I, I don't. Know what I don't think guys... Chris exists. I mean, if you listen <laughs> to the other show, it's person. actually I just I ha- I do a really good impersonation of another person. It's no one's ever seen Chris before that. It's <laughs> just sure. Philip talking to himself. Oh man. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those no. Thanks for thanks for having me on, man. Always always glad to hop on. Hey, for everyone who's check out the work you do covering TCU, where can they do so? At stats o war on Twitter is the best place to find me. I'm throwing up a bunch of articles on frogswar.com, but they'll all be linked on my Twitter account. So stats o war. Go give Parker a follow if you're a TCU fan, because like he's one of the smartest guys I follow, and he's a ton of fun and very interesting and engaging. So uh, Parker, as always, it's a pleasure, and uh, yeah, go frogs. Go frogs, indeed. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter at 1012 Podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012 Podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.